Welcome to the Patmos Podcast. I'm Cooper Wagner, and I'm often joined by my partner, Cole Jones. Here at Patmos, we're on a mission to be the healthiest investment firm in the world. Part of how we plan on doing that is by learning from men who've gone before us in life and business. So I hope you enjoy these conversations, and thanks for listening in. If you find them helpful, we would love to hear from you. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, or just shoot us an email, which can be found on our website at patmoscp.com. All right, well, Coach Doherty, thank you for joining us today. Um, always, as always, Cole Jones, Cooper Wagner, and um, we are we are real grateful that uh, you carved out some time to jump on with us and know that, uh, like you like you said to us a second ago, you've been going 100 miles per hour, and obviously it's a uh, it's a, a lucky time to get you right around March Madness, even though um, your beloved Tar Heels are missing out this year. <laughs> Man. Whoa, 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 wait a second. I'm a nice guy. I come on your, your darn podcast because Luke Petty asked me to. And now you're going to trash my alma mater? No, I'm, I'm heartbroken Colin, about Colin it. Mangrum, Colin, Colin Mangrum was right. I shouldn't have come on this podcast. Colin, Colin told us to ask you, you know, who was your favorite player to coach and why was it Colin Mangrum? <laughs> um. I love coaching Colin because I think that, uh, uh, and I, I use this, uh, the, the book, um, good to uh, straight from the gut by Jack Welch, former CEO of GE talks about when he was evaluating talent, he looked at four things. Did the person bring energy? Could they energize others? Could they execute with an edge? And Colin did all those things. Yep. I remember we were struggling a little bit, and I inserted Colin in the starting lineup, and I think he had, you know, I, I want to say 21 points, and just the whole complexion of our team and, and changed uh, because he brought those four E's. And um, I love coaching that kid. I mean, just all out. Uh, energy and he could shoot the ball and um, yeah he wasn't afraid that's awesome that's awesome he's a good man I've gotten to know him here in Dallas and and he's he's working his tail off in the same way that I'm sure he did for you as a player as a entrepreneur so it's fun to fun to see the, some of those yep. qualities transfer which is a great segue into what we'd love to talk about but prior to that um, would love to hear obviously you've had a, an extensive career in, in, a, in different areas um, you know from Playing as a NCA, playing in the NCA for North Carolina, which is obviously one of the elite basketball programs out there, to coaching, to Wall Street, to uh, executive coaching, and what you're doing now, and so, and to being an author, um, and so, would love to just hear kind of that, if you can s summarize that quickly, you know, in a couple of minutes, your how'd you how'd you get from, you know, high school Matt Doherty to where you are today. Well, wow. Um, two minutes, that's all I got? <laughs> no, no, you, um, you can take as much time as you want. You can take as much time as you want. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's about passion and then pivoting um, because life is going to deal, deal, give you setbacks. It's going to, you know, it's like coaching. You have a game plan, but the other, other team doesn't always cooperate. And, and so... Um, you go in with a plan, but then all of a sudden, uh, your best player gets in foul trouble. You best player gets hurt. The other team starts to play a zone, and they've never played a zone all year. 
So you've got to be able to adjust and pivot. And, and that's like life. And that's why I do think that people who played sports do have somewhat of an advantage in the world of business because they've dealt with um, so many things that you deal with when you start a company um, and, and you do have this plan. But so I pivoted. I, 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 I wanted to play in the NBA. I got cut. Uh, I went to work on Wall Street. I hated it. I quit my job, moved to North Carolina, thought I was going to get in the real estate business like you guys and get rich in my late 20s. I started coaching basketball. Uh, that led me on a, a, a career for 22 years, um, including stops as the head coach at Notre Dame and North Carolina. I got fired at North Carolina, my alma mater. Had a pivot. I did start to invest in real estate in the Charlotte market and do some TV. Got back into coaching. Brought me to Dallas. I met some great people in Dallas. I got fired. Um, I moved back to North Carolina and did some TV and wasn't sure what I was going to do. Scouted with the Pacers, thought I'd be in the NBA, felt I hit a ceiling and pivoted out of that into private business, and which led me eventually to become, uh, well, I, I, I actually got into uh, college athletics from an administrative standpoint. That didn't work out. I did invest with um, some friends in the self-storage business. That did work out. And um, I've always enjoyed the real estate game. And then I got into executive coaching uh, at uh, late 50s. And I, I love it because I'm coaching. I just don't, just nobody's watching. You right. know, it's not on ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is how much time did I do that in? That was good. That was very, very, very efficient. <laughs> so that was good. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, uh, coachable. Yeah. So okay. So what I what I didn't realize is that your podcast that you do um, is which is called is it called Rebound with Matt Doherty? Wow. I mean, like like you invite me on as a guest and you don't even know the name of my podcast. <laughs> oh my it, goodness gracious! He was trying to be humble. You butcher it. That, that's a that's a little. Passive aggressive shot because you're trying to climb the podcast rankings and bump me down a little bit. Trust um, me, we are very know, I don't low appreciate in the that, guys. Yeah, we we I think if there's a ranking, well, I thought this is an award winning podcast. No. I got recruited to come on. We're like the 16 seed. There's almost a certainty that we won't win. Yeah, you're in the playing game. Yeah, exactly. We're, yeah, we're actually we got invited to NIT and we accepted. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, that was good. That was good. Um, but uh, I, what I what I didn't know is that you, you know, you, what you, that podcast focuses on that you said right before this was fit, um, failure. Anyone who's dealt with failure. And so, a question I didn't send you, but that I think would be appropriate to ask, given you know what you, how you just summarized your career is to to a lot of people, even hearing some of the accolades, uh, it. It sounds like a successful career, but you told it in a way that almost seems like you were emphasizing some of the failures within that. And so, yes, how, yes, how, how yes, did, how did you? I mean, I guess just can you talk to us about why? Why do you emphasize those parts of your of your career? Yeah, well, that's good uh, for picking that up uh, because I want you, you know, you and your your friends and generation to embrace failure. Uh, you will fail. And, and you have two, you have three choices. You can quit, like quit life. You can quit your career 
or you can let it label you and, and be, woe is me, and I got screwed, and, um, you know, just kind of be depressed about it. Or you can embrace it and learn from it and say, wow, okay. Um, and, and you know, I'm not going to do that again or, or, you know, that hurt, but I learned something. So I give talks on this, and that's what my book was all about, Rebound from Pain to Passion, which I'm sure you guys didn't read. Um, but anyway, it, it, uh, you know, I, I, I spoke at Queens University, which is a um, local college here in Charlotte, uh, their graduation a couple of years ago. And it was about failure and about rebounding from failure. And that's that's what my podcast is about, my book's about. And, um, you know, Nelson, I, I love quotes. Nelson Mandela um, once said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. Mm. Uh, I think it was Oprah Winfrey said, you know, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. And when you're in sports, and this is why I think it's it's an advantage to be you know, an athlete or a coach, you're, you're, you're dealing with wins and losses every day in a public eye. Mm. You know, you can't hide. Like you guys may get involved in a real estate deal that goes bad, but you know, unless it's in the, you know, uh, the, the, what we would say the papers in the day, um, only a few people know, mm-hmm. not the whole world. When I lost my job as a head coach at the University of North Carolina, Anybody that followed sports in 2003 pretty much knew that I lost my job. Right. And so how do you handle that? And that's, that's, that's what I want to help people deal with is don't be afraid of failure. I think the worst thing to do is play, play it safe mm-hmm. and not live and, and put yourself out there mm-hmm. and, and, and go for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, you do that as an athlete and you fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you just might hit the game winner and win the national championship and turn out to be Michael Jordan. Yeah, that's good. So how did imagine, you imagine Michael Jordan quit basketball when he got cut as a sophomore in high school? Yeah, the world would be different. Well, I mean, quite literally. <laughs> I think it's really, really, really good point to, to talk on. And something that Coop and I have talked a lot about is our generation is so uh, afraid to be embarrassed and and so focused on the perception yep. of how they look and and social media has done a lot within that too but maybe talk about you know how you know i'm sure some of that stuff was embarrassing for you or maybe the perception wasn't what you wanted it to be but like how do you how do you deal with that yeah that's a great question and i and i i appreciate your awareness um you know you you all have grown up in a very difficult time because of social media. And and I was at the airport leaving New York yesterday and I saw this attractive young girl, lady, with a poodle. She was probably 25 to 27. And she had her phone and she was making all these, like trying to make all these beautiful, sexy faces in this phone in the airport. <laughs> and I'm like, Golly, like, how about carry on a conversation with the person next to you? Yeah. How about read a book? How about, and, and so the thing is comparison games are the work of the devil. Okay. 
And yet you need a healthy dose of comparison to be competitive. Like in sports, you and I line up on the in a track meet. I'm going to try to beat you, mm-hmm. but I want to do my best. But hopefully my best is beat you in a, in a fight, in a basketball game. I want to try to beat you. So you have to compare like and it starts at an early age in sports. You know, are you the fastest on your block? Are you the fastest in your school? Are you the fastest in your county? Are you fastest in the state? And there's a healthy dose of that, but it can become obsessive. And when you start to compare yourself to others and you see people's highlight films, highlight clips of them on the beach or in a nice car, you know, and you then start to think, I don't have that. And that's not healthy. Uh, That is not healthy. It's almost like you're worshiping, you know, false idols, false gods. And I think that you need to worry about your race Mm -hmm. and surround yourself with really good people that only care about you and don't care about the likes you get on social media because those are fake. Mm -hmm. Those are false. They'll be gone in a second. Um, This time of year, a lot of college basketball coaches lose their jobs. And, And I call every one of them I know because I've been there. And I recall like 75% of the people I had in my contacts didn't contact me when I lost my job. Mm. So they're basically in love with your position, your title, not the person. Mm. And I think in a way that's healthy because now you realize you only have a few close friends that really care about you. And that's okay. Like you can't have more in my mind than five good friends. Right. You don't have the capacity to maintain that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, he's a good friend of mine. She's a good friend of mine. I'm like, yeah, what's her mother's name? <laughs> and they don't know. They're like, then they're not, they're not a good friend. Right. Like, you know, let's keep it real and, and be real with each other. And, and I think that, uh, you know, people that want to criticize you for failing, you know, there's the old Teddy Roosevelt, um, poem about the man in the arena, mm-hmm. I suggest you read it because it's the person in the arena that counts, not the, the, the person in the stands that's watching and criticizes because they have not dropped an ounce of sweat or blood in the battle. Yeah, that's really good. One of the things I think of it, and it goes in the same theme, but when people, when, when something like that does happen and, and, you know, the 75% of the people in your contacts, and honestly, it's probably more than that, you know, um, don't call you. How do you, how have you thought of, you know, when you do do that, when you make it a point to know, hey, when I was at my low, this person called me and I remember it. And and so now you do that for other people. What do you say? Because I think that's something that, again, our generation is scared to, oh, I'd love to reach out to Cooper, but I know that he just quit his job and, you know, it was rough. And so I don't even know what to say. I'd probably bother him if I texted him. So what do you what do you say to those people when you call them? How do you encourage them? And yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, when I lost my job um, at North Carolina, Reggie Minton, who was um, a former coach at Air Force and worked for the NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, called me. 
And he said, there's going to be people that don't call you because they don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be people that just don't care to call you. Um, and so I remember that Kevin White, the athletic director at Duke at the time, but he was at Notre Dame when I was there and I left him to go to North Carolina. When I lost my job, he called me the very next day and he said, Hey, uh, a couple things I remember him saying, take the high road. There's less traffic up there. <laughs> and he said, people are going to contact you and say things like you got screwed or, you know, too bad or, and, and they're going to bring you down this rabbit hole. He didn't use those words. I don't believe, but, and then they're going to be gone. And in five minutes, they're moving on with their life, mm-hmm. their lives. So just re- know that, you know, like you got to move on. Like this is, this happens. It sucks. Um, but you know, people are going to try to sympathize with you, but don't let them drag you into a dark space. Mm-hmm. So at times I, you know, I'll have to say to people, listen, thanks. I know you're trying to make me feel better, but you know, you're not, you know, you're bringing me into a dark. Let's talk about something else like the future. Um, and you know, I say, don't be bitter, get better. Mm. And look at the positives. Like I had a friend who lost his job. He coached 10 years. Like, man, you coached one spot 10 years? Like, how lucky are you? Like, look at the number of people who got to do that. It's not a very long list. And their names are like Roy Williams, Jim Beheim, Mike Krzyzewski, Tom Izzo. Mm. Like, who else has coached 10 years at one university? Yeah. So it's all about mindset and trying to help people because we all need encouragers in our lives. We need people to help us mm-hmm. and, 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 and allow people to help us. So that's what I try to do when I can. And because I know it meant a, a great deal to me when, when people reached out Yeah. and there's people that haven't reached out that still haven't reached out uh, like 24, 20 years later. Yeah. That like I was in their wedding. We'll we'll you know we'll, tr- <laughs> we'll do our best to find a wedding photo yeah, and we'll, send we'll this we'll podcast to them so that they can they can catch a yeah. subtle hint uh, that maybe they should re- yeah. <laughs> they should reach out to you. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's like you know, you know it's you got to give The other thing I talk about in my book, Rebound from Pain to Passion. And if you could get the title right, please. I mean, instead of butchering my book, I don't know if it was Cooper or Cole, but I'll blame it, it on Cole. Cooper. It was Cole. Cooper. Cooper. Um, is you got to, you know, again, I go back to uh, my faith, you know, like, okay, God, why'd you do this? I probably know. But when I get up there, it's going to be the first question I ask, like 2003, God, what, like, what was up with that? Mm-hmm. Like, why did you put me in that position? Why did you hit me so hard in the back of the head? And I know the answer is probably because you too, too much, too fast. You needed to be humbled. Um, I wasn't in your life. I was afraid you were going to maybe lose your family. Um, and I wanted to use you in another way. Now, that's what I think he's going to say. I won't know, and hopefully I don't know for another, like, 25, 30 years. But, like, I think that's what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it's important now more than ever that 
we, I help sprinkle some breadcrumbs to, to God, because I think that our world is, is lost its way a little bit. And, um, you know, if I can do that in subtle ways, I don't want to push it down three people's throats because nobody likes that. But if I can introduce it to them, you know, maybe that's why God had me do put, put me through what I went through. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Cole and I, you know, I, I love that. It's, it's a, we're both men of faith and, you know, want that to be central in our life. And so what, you know, I, I would love for you to kind of expo- expound on that, if you will. What, what was it that you thought, you know, um, or I, I guess I should ask it this way. How can young men who are passionate, who do get too much too soon, if you will. Like I would say Cole and I have gotten too much too soon. We're 27. We're running a real estate business. We own 20 properties in Dallas. Like we would have never seen this coming two years ago. And I think it is very easy to get in the rat race of I want more. I need more. I have more and leave your family on the side, leave your friends on the side, start to be a bully in business deals. By the grace of God, we haven't, I don't think we've done that. I don't think our wives would attest to that and our families, but how, how can you expound on that in your life and how you feel like, and, and coach us, how would you say as 27 year olds who have too much too early, how can we keep the main thing, the main thing? Well, it, it, you know, who's to say it's too much too early. It's all about what you do, right? Those, uh, to those who are, you know, I'm, I'm going to butcher it given, give it much is expected, something like that, right? So yeah. you have these gifts, you have these talents, you have these resources, then there's a little more expected of you. You know, what are you doing with those resources? And, and you know, are you keeping the main thing the main thing? And who is in your life to be an accountability partner? You know, maybe that's your spouse, maybe it's you and Cooper, you know, you, you two, uh, keeping each other in check. Do you have truth tellers in your lives? Like people that you allow them to come to you and tell you the truth. And I think that that's one thing that I emphasize, um, in, in my book, I I call it the six no's of leadership, K N O W S. You need to, um, and I make up an acronym, uh, of, 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 player named Stevitt, S-T-E-V-I-T, <coughs> excuse me. And the S is for, you got to know yourself. So we all have inherent strengths and weaknesses. And usually your biggest strengths, your biggest weakness, which leads to a blind spot. And then you got to know your team, like how do people in your family at work, you know, how do they how are they wired? And because everyone's wired differently. And I use the DISC assessment, which is a personality assessment to help people understand that not everyone is alike, nor should they be. And thank God they're not, right? And then you got to know your environment. What's the environment you're in? You know, um, when you take over a new job or you're, you're doing business in Dallas, and then what's your vision for your company? What's your vision for your family? And then you, you need to be the industry expert, you know, if you're going to ask people to invest money in properties with you. And then you got to mind for the truth. And to me, that the, the three keys to me are the STT. And that's know yourself, know the team, and mind for the truth. So who in your life is a truth teller that you've given a 
a license to that says, you can come to me whenever you feel I need to hear something. Mm. And I've got to tell you, thank you. Mm. I'm not going to get defensive. I'm not going to tell, you know, make an excuse. I'm just going to say, thank you. Mm. And then it's up to me to do with that information, you know, what I want to do. Mm. But, uh, uh, I think mining for the truth because people are afraid to tell the truth. And we've all been there. Like you're in, you're in a meeting or something and somebody walks out and people start talking behind the person's back. Like, can you believe that guy thinks he's going to close that deal? Who the hell does he think he is? Mm. Well, how about telling him into his face? You know, like, Hey dude, I don't think you're going to close this deal because a, B and C, or, you know, you guys are working together on a deal and, and you might be, a little bit of a reach or things are going so well that you're going to, you know, think you're, you're bulletproof. And one says to the other, Hey, you know, I, I think that, uh, this is a little too risky for these reasons. Mm. And then you've got to listen to that and, and, and you don't have to act on it, but at least respect. And that goes back to another thing. What are your core values? Mm. And I think every person in every organization should have core values. And that's one thing I instituted at SMU. And I, I would hope that Colin could recite the core values because we only had three. And I only had three because phone numbers are three and four digits long because you can only remember three or four things. You can't remember seven. And it was re RTC, respect, trust, and commitment. So with your relationship, you know, all right, we got to treat each other with respect. We got to maintain a trust and we got to be committed to each other and the growth of our company. Hmm. And then I added P later on because, uh, for positivity, because I didn't like being around negative people. Hmm. So RTCP. So what are your core values at, at your, at your, at Patmos capital partners? That's a great question. Do you have core values? We do. We're, yeah. We'll pull up the website right now. Yeah, we do. It's, it's, a, we're, you know, no, no, no. I see blue. You blew the test. You blew the test. They, they you we have to pull up the website. We, we have phrases that go with them. That's why, that's why I pull them up. Our, our, so we have six of them, excellence, humility, integrity, strength, innovation, and perspective. And so in the first one, excellence is, you know, a quote that my dad said to us all the time. Excellence inspires God and honors men. Integrity, who you are when no one's looking is alone who you are. You know, we're committed to full transparency with our investors. Innovation, the world is changing quickly and Creativity is the currency. Patmos provi pr uh, prides itself in staying on the cutting edge. Humility. Humility looks good on everyone. Great leaders are great servants. Strength. We, we are strong in our convictions and unwilling to compromise or quit. And then perspective. We love a good deal, but we also know where true value lies. Keeping the eternal perspective is a key ingredient to our success. So those, those are our six. And uh, you're right. I'll take the admonishment. As a truth teller to us, we need to lock those in better. Memorize this. Coach... Stevitt. Well, uh, this is what I would suggest. I, I would I would make them four. So, like you can un, you could wrap in, you know, excellence and integrity are very similar, right? Yeah. Um, I tried to tell him. Um, <laughs> didn't listen. Yeah, Coop doesn't listen, does he? <laughs> yeah. No, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> um, so, because what you want is that they're repeatable and like, see, I just talked to you about RTCP right. and they're one words and the phrases, 
it's cognitive friction. People aren't going to remember them. Right. And if they have to look them up, you can't live them, mm -hmm. right? Um, so what? how many people do you have in your organization? We currently have uh, us two and then three more employees. Three more employees, gotcha. So you, you want to, I call it moving wall art to action items. So take it off your website and live it. Take it off the wall and live it. So, you know, can everybody in your organization recite those six? Probably not, because you couldn't without looking right. on the website. Right. So, so, you know, turn those into four. And then you have the behaviors that go with them. And now those are things that you can list and people may have to look up, but they sprout from your core values. Right. So I love, I love the values and I love the phrases and quotes you have going with them, but it has to be to the point where people don't look at, don't have to look it up. And, right. no. and listen, you're not alone. You guys are 27. I go to, I, I give keynote talks. So I'll go to a conference or I'll talk to these companies and I'll say, okay, who here has core values? And like 99% of the time people raise their hand. Then I go to the, someone and I point to them. I say, okay, what are yours? And they don't know because they have to go to the website. So then you can't live them. You can't live them if you have to look them up right. as easily. So um, yeah, so like, in, and, and I, I was blessed to have played for a legendary coach in Dean Smith at North Carolina, and his were <clears throat> play hard, play smart, play together. And then every day he would have, we would have team huddles and he would talk about, all right, today's emphasis is hit the first open man you see. Mm -hmm. Well, that was sprouted from the play together um, value. And then he would catch you either doing it right or doing it wrong in practice. Mm. So, you know, are you operationalizing your core values and catching people doing things right or wrong in, you know, your company? Yeah. So, like, what does excellence look like? Like, give me a behavior. Yeah, I think it's just um, for us not not cutting corners so when you're underwriting a, a new property um you know making sure that we're not just plugging in past inputs from other deals and and going okay which sub market is this in within dallas and how do we know that rents are moving there and we're going to go walk all of the comps instead of looking online and um you know just practically playing that out rather than just oh we kind of know the area and rents are this and right. it should be okay you know so, so, you know, it would be walk the property. Mm. That would be behavior that sprouts like from excellence. You might have seven to 10 behaviors and one would be walk the property. So that's repeated at least once, a, you know, once every 30 days, let's say, just like growing up when your mother would or father would tell you, you know, look me in the eye, shake a good hand, sit up straight. Did you brush your teeth? They didn't just say it one time. It had to be repeated so it could become a habit. Mm -hmm. And that would prevent game slippage. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Coach, on Steven. So I just gave you guys a free... I, I, I just gave you guys a free <laughs> consultation. Yeah, man, yeah, for are about we charging you for this? this is yeah, 50 you, minutes. 
And normally I charge about a thousand dollars an hour. <laughs> I'm only going to charge you guys eight hundred because uh, I'll give you the friends and family discount. We appreciate that. That's good. That's and good. That, that this was well worth it. There's no question. <laughs> All right, Coach on on Stevitt, That I love that acronym. Um, can you talk about a player or coach or someone you've come across in business that embodies that acronym really, really well? Who? I think the best. Um, I think the best leader that I've been blessed to be around was probably Dean Smith, and he he knew people really well. He's a very very smart man. And so he could pick up on people's tendencies and and how to, you know, someone once said uh, to me, leadership, good leadership, leadership is manipulation with good intent. Because there's good leaders that are out there that had bad intent, right? Mm. Um, but like a good leader manipulates with good intent. And, and that's a strong word, manipulation. Mm. You know, you can use influence, but like, you know, he would get people to play as one and made you feel good about doing it. Here he brought all these high school All-Americans together to play as one and sacrifice for the good of the team and figured out a way to communicate that and make us feel how we all would benefit and we did, you know, but I mean, I went from, you know, sc scoring 27 points a game in high school to averaging, you know, eight or nine. But I was playing with Michael Jordan and James Worthy, two of the best players ever to play. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I made a decision and, and I go back to your core values. When you have your core values and you're le leading with your core values, you higher to your core values, you train to your core values, and you discipline to your core values. And Coach Smith, in my home visit, said to me, you know, you'd be lucky to play by the time you're a junior. And most coaches were recruiting me, made me feel like I'd play as a freshman. Mm. And I leaned into that, and I took that as a challenge, and, and I went there and started as a sophomore, played a lot as a freshman, started three years, and because he led with that, mm. and he wanted people to fit his culture. That was important, and I think he'd even sacrifice some talent for fit. Yeah, that's really good. I, that was one of my, my biggest questions is, because I think it applies across. I love, I mean, this has been an incredible interview because coaches just, you look at the world from almost, in my opinion, the right perspective of how to live life and do stuff with teams and be selfless and, and fight towards a goal. And I think it's so transferable into business. And so as a coach, how do you think, it, how pivotal is it to a successful business and or team to have the right culture? And then how do you go about building that and I think you've touched on it a lot with core values, but is there anything else you'd, you'd add to that? Yeah. No, great question. First of all, I like to use the quote, uh, business is a contact sport. And I, I do believe there is some benefit to people at least playing a high school sport, uh, ideally a team sport. Um, 
I, I talk about every and you know every organization's made up of it's it's the organizational triangle. It's three things: talent, systems, and culture. And the better your system and the better your talent, the better your culture, your your talent. I'm sorry, the better your system and the better your culture, the better your talent will perform. And as you grow your company, you need to make a stronger base of systems and culture. But really, you can turn the triangle on its point to me where culture is king. Because you can have a so-so system, but if you have a great culture, you still be successful. But you can have a great system and a bad culture, and you're not going to be successful. So you've got to drive that culture. And it starts with your core values and then the behaviors that sprout from that, which we touched on. And then lastly, and the hardest thing is the accountability part, mm. holding people accountable. Because we can all come up with core values. That's kind of easy. We can all come up with behaviors. That's kind of fun. But when somebody's not doing it, will you call them on it? When somebody's showing up late to a meeting, will you call them on it? When somebody is on their phone texting during a meeting, will you call them on it? Because your culture is what you allow. And if you allow that, I basically will call you a fraud. Then don't waste your time with all this fluff. Just show up. But culture needs to be intentionally driven. Because you two guys are nice guys. So you two guys, then you hire you, you hire Luke. You hire a couple other people. That culture will get diluted as you grow because you won't have direct contact with everybody in the organization. Mm -hmm. And you may not have, you know, let's say you grow to 100 people. You may not be involved in hiring, you know, entry-level positions. Mm -hmm. So how do you ensure that they're going to continue to drive the culture you want in the organization? It's got a cascade from you all. Mm -hmm. uh, a CEO, to me, really is empowered with three things. You've got to cast your vision, drive your culture, and be in charge of large business dealings like you know, purchases, acquisitions, and um, try to get out of the weeds so you can focus on those areas. Now, when you're a startup or a smaller company, yeah, you're wearing a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. But when you, like, what is your vision? What is your vision for Patmos Capital? You know, is it is it a number? Is it 100 million? Is it 200 million? Is it a billion in assets? How many people, what's that going to look like? Yeah. And I think you need to, like, cast that vision mm -hmm. because people don't want to follow people if you don't know where you want to go. Right, yeah. You may not get there. You may, may but you may, you know, you got to start somewhere. When that ship leaves, leaves the harbor, it better have a plan. Right, that's good, yeah. <laughs> Nobody so wants to just float, float around the ocean. Yeah, that's great. So as a as somebody who's been the head coach and you've had even even I think the question here is for not just even players, but now assistant coaches. How do you think about leading peers to to your assistant coaches who may even have a more superior 
coaching history than you. And then how do you, uh, so it's two questions. That's one. And then two is how do you develop or uh, set boundaries around, so like Luke Petty, for example, known him since high school. I went to Highland Park with him. I was a grade above. And, um, you know, for the last couple of years, he's been a peer and now he's an employee. And so how do you balance the friendship with a uh, player and still the coach, leader, respect me, listen to me, which, you know, I'm being a little bit hyperbolic and doesn't translate exactly like that for me to Luke, but just how, how do you, how do you, um, how do you think about that? that that's hard. I mean, uh, part of me would say, you've already hired him, right? He's already working for you. Yeah. <laughs> part of me would say, no, no. Uh, be careful. like, be careful like that, that like I've had assistant coaches that were friends of mine that now one guy doesn't speak to me. I had another guy that or we had a strenuous relationship up until, I don't know, 10 years ago. So I think the key is your core values and the respect. Like that's where you lead with core values and you try to paint as many possibilities as you can. Hmm. And you say, hey, Luke, I am now your boss. So if you don't do A, B, or C, I am going to have to call you out on that. Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, I don't want to put you to work. I don't want, I don't want anything to get in, 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 in the way of our relationship. I value our relationship. And then if it ever does, we need to be able to talk about it in a respectful manner. And maybe there come a time that we have to separate. Mm-hmm. Because your relationship means more to me than, a, you know, having you on at the company. Right. So I think you try to, you know, like marriage, right? For better or worse, richer or poorer. Like this might not turn out well. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a day that I might get on you because, you know, you didn't go out and walk the property. Mm-hmm. And I asked you to. And I'm going to have to hold you accountable. Now, are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, if it's going to be awkward, and, and then maybe sleep on it before you make the decision. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's where you have, like, who, that's why I do what I do. I'm an executive coach, right? So I, I'm peer advisory with Vistage. So we would have you in a room with 15 to 20 other people. And you'd bring this up. Like, hey, I'm thinking about hiring my friend, mm. you know, and we would work, walk you through this process and people would ask questions and then they make suggestions. And then you would take the z- suggestions that you liked and say, OK, I'm going to do A, B and C. And then someone in the group would be your accountability partner and say, OK, when are you going to do that by what date? And um, you just try to mitigate risks because sometimes you're too close to it mm-hmm. yeah and, totally. and and i think you know and i talked i had two then i meet with people one-to-one i meet with business owners one-to-one and we talk about these types of things you have to have crucial conversations mm-hmm. you have to be able to sit down with someone and say listen i got to I got, I I want to talk to you about this time you left the meeting early. You know, that's not acceptable. 
you know, and but also learn, like this is going back to Stevitt, all right? I'm blunt, I'm quick to the draw, and I might say, Cooper, why the hell did you leave the meeting so early, you know? Well, did I take the time to know that maybe your mother's in the hospital? You know, maybe, maybe your family member's going through some cancer treatment. And then I'm a little bit more, like you can always get mad later. And one of these behaviors that I, I've learned through Vistage is assume good intent, right? So it goes back to excellence, integrity, assume good intent. So somebody leaves the meeting, I get, I'm getting a little pissed off, you left, but I gotta assume good intent. I gotta assume that he, has, he or she has a good reason to leave. And then when I approach them, I approach them in a respectful, well, uh, humility, perspective, I'm looking at your core values, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and say, okay, listen, um, Cole, you, you left the meeting early. I'm assuming you had a great reason to leave. Can you tell me why? And then, then, you know, then you decide if that reason was good enough or not. And if it wasn't, you say, listen, man, we can't do that. Like that's like the priorities. Okay. What are your priorities? You know, family, profitability, fun, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so you, you, you can't leave and, and, you know, Coach Smith had all those things. He had priorities. It was mm -hmm. current players uh, recruits former players. Mm -hmm. So if a if a if he was visiting with a former player and a recruit called, he would tell the former player, "Hey, I got to take this call." And if he's on the phone with the recruit and a current player walked in, he would tell the recruit, "I got to meet with this player. Mm -hmm. I'll call you back." So do you have priorities in place? Do you have a system in place that can anticipate and deal with a lot of the potential what ifs that might happen in your organization? So that was a long-winded answer to hiring a friend. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good though. Um, okay, well, we're almost, we're nearing an hour and I know your time is valuable and we all now owe you $1,500. Um, so. Yeah, it's a thousand bucks. A thousand bucks prorated 15 minutes. So, you know, we keep going. I keep getting paid. It's okay. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, so I take uh, Venmo. I take yeah, Venmo. Great. Well, we, we, Cole's got Venmo, so he'll personally Venmo you. Um, so we have, or I guess one of the things that I think is also a really valuable piece of your experience uh, is you your time as a scout. And so what what as a scout uh, helped set people apart or players apart? What what were the things? Obviously, there's natural abilities that some people have, right? We may know that this guy, his God just made his brain differently and we want him on our team. But aside from that kind of stuff, um, what are the things that you look for as a scout in players that sets them apart? Yeah, no, that's great. Great question. Um, and I gave it part to you already with uh, Colin, the four E's. Mm -hmm. I would talk about the four E's and the four E's of, do you bring energy to the practice court? Do you bring energy to the locker room? Can you, ener can you energize others? Mm -hmm. So if I come in the locker room and I see, you know, Cooper, your head's down and you're a little, you know, long in the, in the face, can I come up to you and say, hey man, you okay? 
well, I, my girlfriend and I haven't. Okay, hey, listen, dude, let's just get through the first half of practice. Let's get through the. I'm going to help you get through the first half of practice. We'll talk about it at the break, and then tonight I'm going to take you out for pizza. Okay? Can you energize others? Can you execute? You know, hey, we got a plan. Can you execute the plan? Well, you know, everything's going crazy. And, you know, do you play with an edge? Like sometimes you're going to have to challenge your competition on a deal, right? Somebody, Somebody's balking on, a, a, a you know, a, a, a price or a date or and you, you have to be able to stand up and say, hey, man, we agreed to this. We shook on this. And now you're backing, you're changing your mind. And then it comes down to me, fundamentals. Um, you know, can you pass, handle, and shoot the ball? Mm-hmm. With speed, quickness, toughness, and savvy. Those are seven things that I used to use. Speed, quickness, toughness, savvy. Um, pass, handle, and shoot the ball. And again, that's Michael Jordan. Well, no one else was really Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant, maybe. Um, and if you guys believe LeBron's better than Michael, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trash <laughs> this this podcast. <laughs> um, the um, so fundamentally, you know, don't don't get swayed with the biases. Like it's so hard to fight the biases, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I like he went to SMU. Or, you know, the kids from a good family. Well, just because his parents were successful doesn't mean the kid's going to be successful. Mm. You know, or he's soft. He, 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 he went to a private school. Well, Steph Curry went to a private school, played golf. You know, if anybody could be soft, it could be that kid. <laughs> he's one of the toughest kids in the NBA. Yeah. So, like, don't let those things cloud your judgment Look at the production and try to forecast. And you're not going to bat a thousand mm-hmm. on anybody. I'm, I'm big on personality assessments too. You know, fit. Are they a fit person, personality wise? What's their demeanor like? Um, I'm big on, okay, um, interview questions that, that address behavior. So tell me of a time when you had a deadline you needed to meet and you were behind. What did you do? Tell me of a time when you had to overcome some adversity. What did you do? Tell me of a, you know, did you play a sport? Yeah, I played baseball. Okay. What time did you get to the practice field? What time did you leave? What did you do when you got there? Who did you talk to? What would your coach say about you? Okay, have your coach call me. You know, don't you chase the references. Mm-hmm. Make them, if they're good references, they'll call you. If they're not, they won't. And instead of you having to go down that rabbit hole of trying to track down three references, let them call you. Mm-hmm. Say, I'm, have them call me Friday afternoon after, after 12 o'clock. That's great. That's a great idea. <clears throat> What's uh so we'll, this will be our unless Cole unless you got anything because I'm gonna shift gears again. Thank you so much, Coach, for for this time. It it really. I mean, I'm thinking of this like. Let's drop my pen. My little brother is you know a senior. Well, I shouldn't say senior. He just did a gap year program, uh, trying to play basketball in college, and I'm like this. 
you know, in my head came into this, like, this will be great for young guys who are, you know, wanting to start business or lead. And I'm now like, man, I need my little brother to listen to this and hear how to, you know, separate himself. And, uh, and so, cause he's just right in the middle of all the, all the recruiting and trying to figure out where he's going to go. And so, um, you know, it's just like, man, these are the, th- and it's things that we know, but we got to be reminded of. And, um, in the way that that's why, that's why leadership is a practice. Yeah. That's why leadership is a practice. That's why I have a job Yeah. because I use it. Like, you know, I didn't understand when you talk talking about a medical practice or a dental practice, but it's, it's because medicine changes, technology changes, law changes, um, conditions change. So you've got to continue to practice it. And I look at golf and I say, okay, the best golfers in the world, play in the masters and on thursday after the first round they go to the range with their swing coach to tweak their swing well we need to do that as business owners ceos presidents of organizations yeah you know what did we do today what could we have done better Mm, that's really good i love it well again I, i i really am grateful and i would love to shift gears for this last question and just hear some of your most memorable, what, what are some of your most memorable moments as a player and a coach um, just over the years of, obviously Ooh. you've gotten to play with legends and coach some legends. And so it'd be fun to hear, you know, just what are, what are some of the most fun things that you can remember? Oh gosh. Um, yeah, it never gets old cutting down nets. And, and I was blessed to play in a 1982 national championship team with Michael Jordan, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, who played for the Dallas Mavericks. And we got to cut down the nets in New Orleans. And, um, you know, that's always fun. Um, you know, just the, the being with the team, the bus rides, the locker room, the meals. Uh, I miss that. And, and as a coach, oh, gosh. Uh, my first year at North Carolina, um, North Carolina hadn't beaten Duke at Duke in five years. And we went in there and beat them. Uh, that was kind of fun. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine. I can't believe, honestly, that Coach K went out twice losing to you guys. That's. A, I mean, as a as a Tar Heel, you gotta love that. It it it, it was. Uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't stink. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. Well, um, any coach, any any last things you'd leave just to young guys like us? Uh, any any last things that you're like, man? If I don't say this, I'm going to be remiss. Obviously, again, to our huge platform. No, I just <laughs> I think you guys really, really, um, you know, good job of being prepared. Good job of asking insightful questions. Um, I, I think that uh, I also I'll talk about my motto is learn and grow. And I just challenge you to continue to stay curious, mm. you know, be curious and, and continue to ask why and learn. Um, we can learn so much from others and um, continue to have that open mind and, and continue to have your open heart to, to, to God. You know, we all need that. And especially we need that from you guys, your generation, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, our country's in a little bit of a, slippery slope and and you know I, I hope that your generation that includes my children um you know will deliver you know quality people people of a character integrity um morals that do the right thing and, yeah. and it's a great opportunity to have a little bit of a comeback for our country it is 
It is. Well, thank you again so much. Um, down, we're going to put down in the show notes links to Coach Doherty's podcast and book, which from our preparedness we know are titled The Rebound from Pain to Passion. And so uh, we encourage you guys to listen to those, read those like me and Cole are going to. And um, Coach, thank you so much for this time. Thanks, Matt. Well, thank you. And if you could put my my website down there, DohertyCoaching.com, uh, if somebody well. wants to you know, hire me as a speaker or an executive coach. We will absolutely do that as well. Thank you, sir. We will um, stop the recording here.